Hello and welcome to episode 178 of the Tech Reformation, where the world of technology meets the worldview of Christianity. This week, I'm out, but Joe, Craig, and Tank are here. Let's get started. And are you doing all of the lead-in stuff, or is David going to um, do that? I'm going to be doing it later. <laughs> or let's take a vote. Who wants to have David do it later? <laughs> yay! That's, uh, the guy that's not here got voted in. Hey, yay, yeah. <laughs> must be so proud. About a month ago in episode 173, we talked about the tough tomato principle. Um, if you guys remember that, it was the idea that, um, you know, it was illustrated by when you harvest to- tomatoes, um, they, they changed the tomato. They try to grow tomatoes differently um, in order to fit the machine that they had made to harvest tomatoes. Um, and so basically the idea of the tough tomato principle is that sometimes users change in order to fit the machine that has been made for them. Um, but this time we're going to talk about the inverse idea where users are using a machine the wrong way in air quotes, um, that redefines the whole purpose of this technology or machine or whatever. Right. So the inspiration for this topic was a story from Japan. Um, there was some car companies, they they rent out cars apparently for about $4 for 30 minutes, which is a crazy deal. I wonder, I'm not sure if they make you pay for, um, I don't know if they make you pay for uh, mileage or not, because um, that wasn't really a part of it. The rental companies were noticing um, the cars that they would be rented for 30 minutes, an hour, however long, and then they'd be returned um, but the mileage wasn't changing on the cars. Basically, they weren't being driven. And so these car companies, these rental companies, they surveyed their users and said, what are you doing in our cars when you rent them? <laughs> um, and here's a list of some of the things that they got back. <clears throat> People were napping in them, working in them, using them as storage as opposed to coin lockers, charging their phones, eating, talking on the phone, uh, watching TV, dressing up for Halloween, and practicing rapping. Like, um, probably not Christmas rapping, uh, like the music rapping. <laughs> yeah, I love the dressing up as Halloween w, one. So. <laughs> dressing up for Halloween. Yeah. As if that's like its own category. <laughs> like that, and that's significant. It's just, it's just, it's just, it's easy for me to say. It's just, it's just, dang it. Statistically The rest of the episode will just be you trying to say statistically. <laughs> Half hour later. Now everybody, Joe finally said it. But we're out of time. <laughs> Uh, i wanted to say on on halloween but in halloween on halloween um in like the main busy section it's just filled with people shoulder to shoulder and the vast majority of them are all dressed up in halloween costumes like Mm -hmm. i think i think they do halloween better than us i think that's why that's why uh mccookie actually or david actually wanted to move there yeah he's he's such a big fan of halloween Is that a joke? Yeah, it's a joke. I think that's a joke. Okay. <laughs> He's not a fan. <laughs> well, I wasn't sure. I thought maybe counter to Christmas would be Halloween and you enjoy that. But yeah. My oh, first question sure. is what's a tomato? As opposed uh, tomato to a tomato? Is yeah, a... tomato. Is there an <laughs> okay. Oh, I see. Yeah, tomato. <laughs> it's like a potato. You know, let's just <laughs> call the whole thing off. No, t- we say tomato. tomato. We don't say potato. <laughs> We're not that ridiculous. 
I love that tomato is fine, but potato, ridiculous. You're just slightly ridiculous. <laughs> That's a crazy person. I know, as soon as I said the okay. word ridiculous, I was like, "That's not the right descriptor in that situation." But hey, I'm gonna roll with it and see what happens. And then that happened. Exactly. We accidentally derailed the conversation. For, for sure. Anyway. So what do you want to? I I I'm interested to see where this goes, Tank, because I think I actually identify with some of these people. Although I've never hired a car to dress up as for Halloween yet. How do you identify with them? Uh, well, I guess <laughs> I wasn't. I was as I was reading through the article, I was like, well, I can see that. Like, I I I, I guess I do the same thing with the car that I own to a degree. Like, I'll fairly frequently go out from my workplace to get lunch, uh, and rather than finding a nice park bench or uh going back to some place at my work and finding a quiet spot in the staff room or whatever like i will generally just eat my lunch in my car uh because i can control the environment so it's you know i can control the temperature i can listen to whatever mm-hmm. i want to listen to if i'm listening to a podcast or music or something i could have peace and quiet if i wanted to which you can't necessarily control in other places um and so uh, same sort of thing sometimes when i get home I've, you know, been thinking about something on the way home from work and I'm like, oh, I need to send that email about X, Y, Z, whatever it is. Uh, and I pull into the driveway, turn off the engine and stay in my car. Don't tell my wife this happens, but <laughs> uh, I stay in my car for like just five minutes or whatever, however long I need to just um, send whatever I need to send or, or whatnot. Uh, and the reason for that is if I go into my house, I'll instantly have children wanting my attention, which is fine. Um, but then I will forget the thing that I was thinking of and and whatever so it's just easier to action it in sort of the quiet confines of my vehicle before i uh end up in a you know in a social situation where i now mm. don't have the sort of quiet space and the time set aside to be able to do that so um i guess not i don't like i said i've never hired a car to use for the purpose of some random thing that's not driving uh every car i've ever hired i can safely mm. say i've driven in uh but i can see this idea of cars as sort of quiet or private spaces uh, being not that ridiculous. I think that's, that kind of makes some sense, especially with how cheap mm-hmm. they were saying it is. It's like $4 or less than $4 for a, a time slot of whatever it was, 30 minutes or something. Half an hour. Half yeah. an hour, yeah. So, um, yeah, so it seems kind of reasonable, especially if you're into, like, if you're using it for storage and the lockers are all taken. I mean, it's got an alarm. You've probably got way more space <laughs> in most cars than in, in your average storage locker. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I don't know. It seems reasonable to me. <clears throat> yeah, I think the the idea was it's not that it's not reasonable. I think it's interesting just because of how reasonable it is. Um, <laughs> if you think the you know, the people, the rental companies, they're not really renting, renting the cars, thinking these are the reasons that they're going to be used. Um, they're renting them, expecting the people to drive them. And so in a sense, they're, they're solving a problem there. They started their company, started their business with the goal of solving the problem of people here don't really typically need to own cars. Like they walk, they take the train, whatever, or they don't have space in their apartment building to park or whatever reason they may not own a car. So we'll give them the ability to rent cars. Um, and so like, that's kind of the problem that I imagine they had in mind when they started their business, but they're solving the problem of there's no space or there's no quiet place for me to sit and eat and talk on the phone and dress up for Halloween without people being all around me watching. 
<laughs> yeah. 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 I, I think understand. it's just interesting that, yeah, that they, um, solve, solve the problem on accident, um, and are getting a good amount of, of users for that, for that purpose. The article did also make the point, which is a very good one though, that once you release anything, really any product or service, um, well, services may be, I guess, more of a, services are probably easier con- to control, especially services that involve human input. So like if you're uh, hiring a, you know, a builder to come and build something at your house, then you probably have a fair bit of say in how they go about that or, or whatever materials they use and stuff like that. Like you can sort of, at least in some ways, guide that situation. Uh, but services like hiring a, a, an object um, for a particular uh, length of time it's kind of i mean outside of you know you can't do anything illegal with this product which like every software has that pretty much written into its um user license agreement as well like you can't you know decompile this and use it for whatever dodgy purposes and stuff but really once you've kind of released the thing it's not up to the to the company providing the service to dictate how it's used um mm. and i guess the principle being that it shouldn't be because users are the ones who have the problems and so if users can solve those problems using your product or service then that's a good thing except in the case where joe put a um you put an example in the slack joe where users were solving problems using a product in a way that just actually really was inefficient and didn't make any sense oh yeah well we had um I mean, that's, and I, I don't mind even mentioning it. I, we had, we'd found, uh, some of our support people found that some of our users hadn't figured out, uh, I work at a Bible software company, and people hadn't figured out that, how to delete a highlight. So they would de- delete a highlight, and our highlights draw actually underneath the text. So they're there, they're coloring the page, but they're not coloring the text itself. Mm-hmm. And so they couldn't figure out how to delete the highlight. So what they did is they just started creating multiple white highlights underneath that same, you know, that same portion of text, which would then wipe out whatever color they'd had there as their previous highlight. But they'd have to do like two or three of them in each location. So you'd have people that end up with tons of extra highlights <laughs> because they're deleting highlights. And it's like, oh, no, no, no. But, you know, I mean, part of that is obviously uh, a big part of my job is uh, I do UI and UX design. I, and one of the things that's that says to me is, uh, well, we didn't communicate that well enough. How do you get rid of a highlight if you don't want one, you know, and how, and how can we also, it's even a discussion we've had of like, okay, we shouldn't, you shouldn't have, be able to have more than one highlight at the same location Mm -hmm. uh, unless we're allowing like more, you know, uh, you can have a color and you can have an underline. That's great. But you shouldn't be able to have two colors because Mm -hmm. we can customize colors. You can have any color you want. So you shouldn't ever have to, you know, oh, I, I want a green highlight, so I want a blue one and a yellow one to make green. You know, <laughs> it's, it's not <laughs> a paint like mixing app. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> new feature. <laughs> we had one tester who did a, a highlight that was entirely black uh, as a as just is a test thing, and he was like, "Man, I really want to make sure that this never gets out into the wild where somebody would see it and be like." Oh, that's the parts of the Bible he doesn't like. (laughs) He called it his Jefferson Bible highlight. (laughs) He just redact parts of the Bible. (laughs) Sorry, I I should have asked if I could mention that before I mentioned it. You can cut all that out, David, if if Joe would prefer it. I have no problem with it. Okay. No, I have no problem with it. It's fine. But I guess even even in those situations, um, you know, if someone someone really wants to do something, I guess what, what... 
would be considered the longer way or the more difficult way to achieve a similar end result. Um, it's not ideal and, and maybe that's not what the product or service was designed for. Uh, but if they're still getting a desired, the desired outcome, a desired outcome, um, maybe, maybe there's room for that. I don't know. In some places, I mean, once, once the people developing the product or service find out, they may decide, no, actually we just want to shut that down so that people aren't doing that. Uh, which is, I guess what Joe's talking mm-hmm. about. They're finding better ways of helping people achieve their goal. Um, right. and maybe that's what these car companies will do. But at this stage, I think if they're still getting the higher fee, uh, from the people who are hiring them, then. I don't know. They're yeah. just solving a different problem and still paying the same money. Exactly. Higher fee and, uh, you know, zero wear and tear on the vehicle. I mean, that's kind of, in a way, it's a win-win. You know, it's win for the customer, win for the company. Somebody's not going to hire You know who it's yeah. not a win-win for? That's the uh, petrol companies, but... That's true. <laughs> not getting gas. Yeah. Or the guy who yeah. can't find... He, he's looking on his device for... Uh, phone because he's got a or for a car because he's got to make it across town there's six <laughs> cars sitting there and people just sitting inside them or one of them is empty but there's in bags inside it <laughs> like, come on <laughs> and one scary clown exactly there's always one yeah i think uh the the you mentioned like we could communicate better to our to our user base um like how to how to delete um, and so that's something the article doesn't say it that way, but I was thinking it's, it kind of says that like the car company could communicate to its user base, Hey, we don't want you to just nap in our cars or whatever by, by like putting up a, a payment penalty if the mileage doesn't move or something. And then people would like, well, I guess I got to drive and eat. So I don't receive that penalty. But yeah, I think the smarter, um, I think the smarter route would be like you guys just said, not doing anything and accepting it. Um, or even better. Um, I remember when I was looking up, um, stuff on stack overflow, um, some, uh, like, like always when I was doing programming, um, <laughs> somewhere, somewhere I read, um, said like, this is the problem with stack overflow. And I think this is a common example, but it said, you know, someone, someone's question is, I have my smartphone and I need to get this nail into the wall. What's the best way to use my smartphone to nail this nail into the wall? You know, like, I don't want to just hit it because it's going to crack the screen. And somebody's response is like this really intricate solution for how you can nail, nail a nail into a wall with your smartphone without breaking the, 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 um, the, the smartphone. And that's accepted as the correct answer. But really the correct answer is put your smartphone down, go get a hammer, <laughs> like smack that yeah. into the wall or use that to smack the nail into the wall. Um, so I think even, even better, I don't know, rebranding or like maybe making a child company that's like, you know, you guys are using your cars or using our cars to solve this problem. We have this new product. It's, it's a box or <laughs> a box on wheels. I don't know <laughs> that can solve this problem even better. It probably wouldn't yeah, even tar- need to be on Tardis. Wheels. Com. <laughs> Just put boxes Tardis? everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I think the thing is, we uh, probably what has. Um, it seems like the thing that has probably contributed to this the most is just that people have got. Well, I know for me, I've got quite used to kind of living in my car, if that makes sense. Um, mm. Not to the degree where I'm like I'm homeless and I don't have any other place to live, but just you know, I've I've spent a lot of my working life commuting relatively large distance like more than you know 20 or 30 minutes to get to work um and so 
just like having to take things with me and then store them in the car and, you know, take certain things into the office, leave other things in the car and, um, and just be in the car a lot, you know, it's just, it's just a place that I am used to being often by myself. Um, and so when, you know, when there are certain things I need to do, uh, like, you know, make a phone call or, or send an email or whatever, uh, and I'm not somewhere like home or the office, then, uh, or, or I need to store something. It just, it's just a logical thing for me. It's like, well, oh, well, I use my car for that. Like, it's just, this is kind of how I think about mm. what a car is for. It's not just for driving. So it's almost like people who, like, you know, if the if the company is worried about, well, people aren't driving the cars anywhere. They're just using them for other purposes. It's like, well, maybe that maybe part of the reason for that is is just that the car has. Like maybe the car's place in society has just changed. Like it's no longer just a communicate, just a transportation method. It's now used as more of like a sort of home away from home, mobile home, something or other. You know, like a a um a private space on wheels. And if you choose not to use the wheels, then meh. But didn't they say something in the article about these companies do get more money if you drive somewhere or something like that like they, that's part of the fee structure mm-hmm. and i so, think it said that at least some of them do i don't know if all of them but yeah so i guess if that if it starts harming their business because they're not you know maybe they're not making enough money per rental because they're not getting the you know not being able to charge for mileage and whatever uh then then that's i guess comes back to the thing of the the company at the point where it impacts negatively on them, I, it seems like they have a right to then change the model somehow, or, or at least charge mm-hmm. more for for a box on wheels that doesn't move anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I think. Um, I mean, those people probably wouldn't be renting a car anyway. So, I mean, if those cars would just been sitting there as opposed to being used for storage, they're making more money than they would if they just said nobody can use this car for this purpose but yeah but i guess back to what joe said about um if if somebody is trying to get a car to actually drive far for a long time then and can't then yeah that would cause a problem Mm -hmm. um i thought joe's was a another good example of um of this situation although I mean, a good example in the sense of users not using um, something the way that at least the designer expected it to be used, intended for it to be used. And did you have any example of that, Craig? Uh, in, in your experience, oh, I'm sure there are. <laughs> Having done you know web design and stuff before, I'm sure I'm sure there would be, but nothing sort of mm. coming to mind immediately. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I have I, certainly have had the thing, have the situation where. I've found out about uh, a way that a user is using something and being like, huh, <laughs> like I, I wouldn't have uh, expected that. And I guess that's why, you know, it's, it's really important from in, in the tech, in the technology space, it's important to do proper user testing and, um, you know, with completely fresh users who've never seen the product before, uh, get them to use it, actually watch them use it or do a screen recording or something uh, so that you can actually see how they're interacting with it and where the problems might be. Um, but I think with with what we're talking about today, it's, it's a little bit different because it's not so much a technology thing. It's um, like what car company is going to automatically think, now we need to see what people are doing with our cars. Like m- most car companies would assume mm-hmm. people are going to be using their cars as cars. So um, I guess I'm not entirely surprised that this has been a bit of a sort of a, a strange realization for them. 
<laughs> but I think there's, you know, we can look at it, like you said, and say, oh, that's, they're using it wrong and, and it's causing problems for them. I mean, they're, they're getting their problem solved, but it's more inconvenient to solve the problem that way. But I think also like in this situation, we can say like, huh, the user's using it this way. And that's actually a really good thing that they're doing. Like we hadn't thought of that. And maybe we could, we can make that easier for them um, Mm -hmm. with, with, I mean, in the car example, you know, making a different, different, it would be hard for a car company to make it easier on them. Um, but for, (laughs) for technology designers, um, we could say, you know, like they're trying to get this accomplished. Maybe if we just made a new feature that actually does that with much easier process. Well then there already are, um, there's already, I know that there's places I, I, I'm wanting to think that I've seen this uh, is more of like a in Japan thing, but there are companies that actually rent um, spaces like little booths, essentially like a phone booth, but without a phone in it that they can, that people mm. can do a private phone call or they can even take a nap in there or whatever. They, like, they have up, these little like things. A nap standing up. Well, it's got like a seat. Oh, okay. But, you know, okay, it's nice. like, think, I think, think of, more of like capsule that. hotels for Japan, but. Yeah. Yeah. There's that. But I, I mean, I think they've actually, I, I, I am, you know, this is I'm off the cuff. I, I can't recall where I've seen this, mm-hmm. but I believe I've seen it where they do have that. So it could even be one of those things where these two companies need to, you know, the company that's rideshare is happening and people are, are not wanting to drive it would even possibly be able to partner up with a place like that and say, you know, somebody goes to rent a car, you could say, Hey, there's actually a booth over here. If you're, you know, if you're, if you're, expecting to drive less than one mile um mm. you know have some sort of like a query like that in the process where they could then redirect them over to someone else and and get a uh you know get a fee for um a finder's fee for that but then their mm-hmm. cars would still be available for people to use as cars but mm-hmm. yeah it's it's a it's interesting to kind of see how those things you know sometimes the technology drives the design and sometimes or drives the usage and sometimes the usage drives the technology you know, coming around with different mm-hmm. ways of things need to be done because, you know, because the original intent is, is being eclipsed by something else for the same item. Nice. Yeah. I think, um, that kind of mindset of, um, of, you know, what are people, how are we doing something and what are people doing with it or, um, doing otherwise, you know, like, are we, are we solving the wrong problem in a sense, um, can also be useful just in, um, general, general life as well. Um, I was thinking recently, or I was in a conversation recently with a pastor and he said, um, he was saying, you know, whenever I was a youth pastor, all I had to do was, um, just say, there's going to be pizza and games <laughs> and I'd have like a hundred kids show up. And nowadays, if my youth pastor says there's going to be pizza and games, nobody shows up because yeah. they don't care about pizza and games anymore. <laughs> and, um, just thinking in, you know, in the church or just in our own personal lives, but, um, like trying to interact with people, um, you know, you know, I, I think, I think something I've been learning recently is that, uh, I think everybody thinks the way that I do 
and, and like, oh, I use Facebook. So if I meant the best way to reach everybody would be to make a Facebook event. Um, but it's likely that, you know, teenagers probably don't use Facebook anymore. And if I make a Facebook event, they won't even notice or care. Yeah, they definitely um, do. That's a myth. That's a myth that teenagers I'm, don't I'm use. I'm pretty it. sure that's a myth that teenagers don't use Facebook. <laughs> There's been a good number that I've There's been a reduction trying yeah. to interact with. Yeah. yeah. But still that idea of just trying to constantly be learning, like, all right, how are people using, even if it's not my technology, Mm -hmm. how are people using things that I use to help people, to love people, to serve people? Mm -hmm. Um, How are they using them now? And how are they using them different than I'm used to using them and trying to, trying to learn, uh, learn about people and change along with people as opposed to just sticking to what's comfortable and what we expect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of one of the keys with this. Uh, when I think of this from a from a design perspective, is it's dangerous for me as a designer to get caught in um, to get caught in the trap that if something's someone's using my app uh, quote wrong, that they're mm. the one that's wrong, you know. Uh, and there, sometimes they are. Sometimes they're just like, "No, you're wrong. Sorry, that's not how you do it." But it's really important, especially if a lot of people are using the app as I would perceive it wrong. Then am I either not communicating it well, or is the way that I think is right not working? Doesn't work for people the way I'd expect them to. Mm-hmm. And and that's a that's a big danger in all sorts of fields because the people who create these apps. Uh, create various apps or create websites um, or the people for whom they're creating websites are typically kind of experts in the field. And so then we don't think of those people who are, um, you know, who are uh, novices in that domain and don't understand, you know, Mm. well, this is how you would do this thing. Obviously, if you'd had training in this area, this is what you would do, but well, they haven't. So (laughs) this is what they're doing. So now they're training you. That you yeah. need to better understand how people who don't have your same background would would use your service or your uh, your creation. Or if you'd used our app for the past ten years, then you would know how to do this. Yeah, it's <laughs> so well, obvious. A child could do it. <laughs> Any child with twenty years experience could do it. <laughs> I guess that's one of the challenges as well. Uh, and tell me what you think about this um, in terms of. Uh, is just applying this even more, I suppose, to like from a Christian, looking at this from a Christian perspective, like Tank, you were talking about before with the sort of youth, youth group scenario. Uh, I guess it, there's a bit of a challenge as well in sort of sharing or talking about the Bible with people from different cultures mm-hmm. in that we, you know, every everyone who reads the Bible reads it a certain way uh, and and sort of in some ways I guess just by nature imposes something of themselves. Not not that we should impose ourselves onto the text or, or read ourselves into the text, but we understand things uh, at least in some ways based on what we what we understand to be true or what we see as normal in the world around us or what we our, our culture says. And and I guess um, particularly as Reformed Christians, we're trying to always go back to what did the original authors intend? What are the you know what culturally was happening then? How do we understand this in light of what was um, originally being communicated to the original hearers rather than how we would, you know, our sort of modern day reading. Uh, but I think there's, I don't know, Tank, have you got sort of any insights into when you are, so you and a Japanese person who's, you know, who's 
uh, got a completely sort of different cultural understanding to you when you both approach the Bible. Are you able to just go, well, let's go completely, you know, let's, our individual cultures don't actually matter because we're just looking at this old, this ancient culture and trying to understand it and, and, uh, sort of apply the things that are still clearly truths from what we're reading to our lives here and now. Uh, I'm assuming that is the case in terms of the interpretation of it, but then the application of it, um, is, there's probably some cultural differences there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think especially in teaching, you know, it's like what Joe was saying about the the 20 years experience. You know, I grew up reading the Bible um, and hearing it taught. And so I, even before like taking seminary classes and like doing deeper study on my own, I could come to the New Testament and kind of at least get closer than maybe someone who's grown up in America could at trying to figure out what's actually meant to be said here. Um, but you go to Japan where, you know, they believe the world that the world has been infinitely existing, that there is no creator that, um, either there are no spirits or there's a spirit in literally everything. Um, and maybe God's the greatest spirit, you know, like you're starting with an infant. And so to just say like, all right, let's, let's read this parable. Um, what'd you learn from it? You know, it might be a little bit more difficult than, um, I mean, I think doing that is okay, but then, you know, you have to spoon feed them for a little while, mm-hmm. I think, um, for a new Christian to help them get the, get the content on their own. Yeah. Um, although still, of course, encouraging them to read the Bible, um, on their own. And so helping them do critical thinking as opposed to just, uh, um, just telling them all the answers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I can't think of any, any off the top of my head of interpretation differences that, that has come about in conversation, but, mm-hmm. um, I guess the difference, yeah, I definitely think that applies. The difference with the Bible in some ways, like I said, is that, that or like I was sort of trying to say is that there, you know, there is actually uh, correct interpretations, like correct ways of interpreting. Like, whereas we're saying with technology, well, you know, maybe the wrong isn't really wrong. It's just a different way of doing it or, or whatever. Or maybe it's the thing that works for that person and we could help them do it better or something like that. I guess we, when it comes to the Bible, right. we need to be careful and clear that there is an actual meaning. We, there are actual truths we, we draw from Scripture and those are what was put there by essentially, well, what was put there by the Holy Spirit uh, as he sort of carried along the human authors. So, uh, there, yeah, I, th- I certainly don't want to hear people, I don't want people to hear me saying we can all approach the Bible completely differently and come up with our own different meanings and that's all, they're all equally valid. Uh, but I was just, yeah, I'm just sort of trying to work out if this sort of scenario at all applies to just the way that different cultures interact with the same truths. Um, and that, that's something I think would be interesting to know more firsthand, but it's not really something I have any experience in. I've, I've done like a tiny right. little bit of overseas missions. <laughs> so Tank is yeah. probably going to come across a lot more of that than I am. Well, that's, I mean, because of my experience, I've, I've just done, you know, two-week type yeah. mission trip things, but I've done... Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been to Mexico a few times. I've been to Albania and India and Russia a couple times. So I've been around into very different cultures. And I think that's one of the things um, where, in a similar way, we can kind of go, um, like you'll go to India and you'll, you'll, the dress is very different. And some mm-hmm. of the ways that they interact with you culturally are very different. And so you ha- kind of have to go, well, wait a minute, is this 
is this just my Western European way of interpreting something, or is this are they doing something different than what the Bible says they should do? Or and have I read something in the Bible and said, oh, this means this because as a Western you know European cultural uh, background, as you know someone from the United States, um, you know, am, am I just you know? Well, this is what the Southern Baptists in the 1950s did, so it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me, you know. It's like, well, wait a minute, hang on. <laughs> you're, you know, you're, you're equivocating there a little bit and, the, you know, running into some of those, what are those things that are the capital T traditions that are important, or what are those things that are the lowercase t, like, well, that's a cultural thing that's uh, important for us to be respectful of their culture, um, you know. And it's even like when traveling in India, the some of the we would talk to the local native missionaries and native pastors and kind of go, okay, what is, you know, we were there during the celebration of Holi, which is a a big Hindu celebration with the color, you know, the celebration of color where they're throwing colors and paints and things, and it's really really pretty and bright and festive and and fun in some ways, and we were kind of like as a Christian here what's okay for us and what where will we offend others and and we had to kind of have those sorts of conversations of like mm-hmm. you know we don't want to come in ignorantly and and have new believer christians seeing us behaving in a way and putting us on some pedestal and going well they did it and it's okay for them to do this it's like you know mm-hmm. at one point in a hotel someone at a celebration wanted to come up and put a dot on my forehead and i'm like no <laughs> that's a religious thing i cannot do and they would you know talk to some of the pastors about it later and they were like yeah thank you because that's that would have been very inappropriate you know so yeah yeah, mm. yeah i think that's um in thinking in japan you know there's a, a good amount of christians in japan and so many of them are older more mature christians than i am and so i was definitely talking in um in the realm of like me talking and teaching someone who is a new believer. Mm. Um, but I, I have a ton to learn from, you know, Japanese pastors who have been working with people they grew up with and in mindsets they grew up with. Um, and that's something that, you know, whenever I go back, we'll be, it'll be called the apprentice term where I'll be really under a Japanese pastor and learning more in depth, like how does the gospel really speak to the Japanese? How are some of the ways that they practice and worship in ways that don't really make sense to me, not because they're not biblical, but just because they come from a, at a completely different angle. And mm-hmm. that's just how, how they interact with God in a good way. Um, and so, yeah, that's definitely something that um, I know in Japan, especially um, missionaries have felt that in the past. Um, kind of came and just put Western Christianity over the Japanese um, and something that we definitely need to learn how to extract ourselves from and let them take the lead um, in interpreting the Bible accurately, but in a way that um, speaks the clearest to them. Right. The, the, yeah. The key being not bringing, bringing our Christianity, but not bringing our culture I and mean, mm. not imposing our culture. Yeah. Remembering uh, that Christianity that a, wasn't originally Western. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's kind of it's like when you run into people that are KJV, you know, King James only people, and you're having that kind of the, you know, I, I, I appreciate like David's stance of it, it's a strong preference for him. He likes that, that one the best. That's great. I have no problem with any of that. But when someone says, 
KJV is the only way to interpret the Bible. It's like, well, okay, so somebody from Russia needs to learn English. Wait, hold mm. on. They need to learn <laughs> 1611 English or, or 1879 English yeah. so that they can then properly interpret the Bible because that's the Bible God gave us. It's like, what are you talking about? You know, that's just uh, so patently false. And if that's, you know, and I've had people kind of respond back to me, well, they don't need to do that. And then, then okay, then why do modern you know, a, a person reading a modern English Bible, if it's a valid, faithful translation of the text as we have them, why do they need to do it? <laughs> you know, and so mm-hmm. anyway, but it's a, it can, it, we can be very funny with our cultural biases for sure. I mean, not me, other people. <laughs> <laughs> you have none. You have no culture. <laughs> exactly. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> On the nose, but true. <laughs> So I guess the moral of the story is we shouldn't import Ford trucks to Japan so they can use them as storage vehicles. <laughs> no, no, that'd be great. That would be an excellent oh, use no. for them. I was trying to tie the two together. <laughs> American culture in Japan. <laughs> nah, we kind of went sideways on it, yeah. yeah. I, I did, I think. I think I pulled this off. Sorry. No, no it was probably me throwing in a question about There's missions. A very... <laughs> There's a very clear trail to it, but I just tried to, you know, loop it from the end to the beginning. Yeah, yeah. They just, that's fine. Nice segue, work. full circle, man. We're good at segues. <laughs> <laughs> I think if, if, like if David, if David had been here for this conversation, he would have been right on the edge of his chair about um, regular principles. <laughs> you know, like no, but the Bible does tell us how to worship. <laughs> like it doesn't matter what culture you're from. The Bible does. You know, I can, yeah. I can imagine him being it's the at least ties. nervous. It's really. It's really- Wait a second. Is this a is this a, a two button or a three button blazer we're supposed to use? I think Paul used. I think we comfortably uh, steer clear of the landmines on that one, which is a good thing. Perfect. Hmm. So I'm, what we're saying um, is David signs off on everything we've just said. Well, <laughs> in a way, he does. If he puts it up, if this um, video is half the length, when we know that. Yeah. Sorry, guys, it's only a ten-minute podcast this week. Uh oh. Although we do know he doesn't edit anywhere near as much as Derek did, so maybe he just doesn't listen to us. Maybe he just yeah. chops off the first two minutes and the last two minutes and puts the music on and goes, "Yeah, done." No, I don't think so. But we'll soon yeah, find so out. David, gonna- cut this out. That whole end part. Nice. Um, I'll end it. Um, but before I end it, I wanted to show my share my example of um, people using technology kind of wrong. Um, so I'm going to do that real quick and then we can end. Um, so my example was my uh, one of my family members. They, until this year, they have used a Nintendo Wii for the sole purpose of watching Netflix because they can use the controller to, to turn on the Wii from like, the chair. And so just recently, the the Wii made it to where you couldn't access Netflix anymore. So they got a Roku. They upgraded. So but, through through a browser on the Wii? Is that how they did it? Well, the Wii has... The Wii, you can like download an app, a Netflix app. You can download a Netflix so app. Can, okay. Yeah, yeah. So it, it works pretty well. It's just, you know, you have to use that Wii pointer and point it yeah, at yeah. the sensor and like <laughs> aim towards the Netflix thing. It's just like, you know, there's like Chromecast for 20 bucks and... <laughs> But it worked for them. And so I, I thought that was funny. It wasn't really like they weren't technically using it wrong. And, but 
<laughs> so anyway, if you have any examples of um, of you or somebody you know using technology the wrong, in air quotes, the wrong way, um, but it worked for them, and maybe it even made made it work better for them, uh, let us know in the Slack. You can get there at slack.techreformation.com. And if you want to check out our back catalog and see all the other fun things we've talked about over the last 174, five, where are we up to? Seven, 77 episodes. 178. Yeah. Yeah. Over the last 177 episodes, uh, you can head to techreformation.com. Provided David has uh, renewed our domain, you should find what you're <laughs> looking for. <laughs> Not just kidding. Cut that you out. You can David. also find us under HTTPS colon slash slash techreformation.simplecast.com. Slash episodes, and you'll see all those episodes. It's fantastic. (laughs) If all else fails, that should definitely work, we hope. Maybe. (laughs) Anyway, this has been the Tech Reformation. Tech Reformation, thanks for listening. This has been the Tech Reformation. Thanks for listening. Let's all say it at the same time. Ready? One, two, three. (laughs) (laughs) This has been. This has been. Go for it. All right, stopping recording. anybody say the whole thing you go ahead tank okay i don't think i didn't end it uh all right well thanks for listening this has been the tech reformation i'm joe (laughs) well now i can't remember how it goes me me, joe (laughs) this has been the tech reformation (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening. This has been the Tech Reformation. Thanks for listening. We will see you next week. Nice. Nice. Yeah, I mean, you technically won't see them. It'd be weird if you could. All right.